podcasters have been listening for free for too long. You owe us something. Well, okay. Listen, a lot of you have said, hey, guys, I'd be willing to subscribe and pay X per week or per month for the podcast. You know why we don't charge? Because we're stupid. Because we're stupid. But anyway, why don't you think about what would you be willing to pay per month for the Armstrong and Getty show? And then instead of giving it to us, give it to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Donate it and help our uh, our warriors who are in their time of greatest need. you got this organization that is all volunteers, and they do fabulous, beautiful, beautiful work helping our guys. So just go to armstrongyegetty.com to donate. It's that simple. everybody we got to have jonathan turley highlights for the bottom of the hour news because if you didn't hear that that was one of the um you know people talk about bombshells during this whole impeachment hearing thing that's been going on for several weeks now a a law professor who starts by saying i am not a trump supporter and i am a democrat but makes the argument that this is not impeachable i think is pretty interesting i don't know how that's going to play now it's pretty interesting that you got four law professors today all four of them are anti-Trump. So all four are non-Trump supporters, so that shows you what the hearings are like to start with. Three of the law professors make the argument that, well, this one professor, Professor Gerhardt, said, if what we're talking about is not impeachable, then nothing is impeachable. This is precisely the misconduct that the framers created in the Constitution, including impeachment, blah, blah, blah. Jonathan Turley said this is absolutely not how you impeach a president. And it, it, it uh, scales down impeachment and we'll all rue the day. Right. I already rue it. Um, <laughs> and listen, uh, you've, you guys have heard the raw tape. Um, I vote for as much as we can squeeze in because I thought it was eloquent. It was Absolutely. brilliant. It was a great view of history. It was a great comment on our times. And so uh, good for Jonathan Turley. Um, and I agree with them. The call was far from perfect. It was ill-advised. It was dumb. It was poorly handled. It did bad foreign policy and a, a dozen other things. But the idea that that now this is enough for impeachment and this half-assed impeachment, where they're not even subpoenaing key fact witnesses because that would take too long. Seriously? That is precisely why they're not subpoenaing uh, Rudy and, and Bolton and, and uh, Mick Mulvaney. That's just absurd. Take too long. Oh, for God's sake. Anyway, uh, Turley makes the point more uh, eloquently than me. Uh, a quick update on another matter. Uh, Jimmy Jack had offered a substantial amount of money to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station if Michael Jackson would sing Jingle Bells to him. Um, a lot I, of people I s- enjoyed that, by the way. Lot of the text line really thought that was fantastic. Well, America's starred for entertainment, Jack. Um, <laughs> There's just not that many choices out there. And I told Jimmy Jack that uh, he adds 20% to that number. We got a deal. After uh, Jacko sang to him, he donated an extra 40%. So, well done, sir. Oh, cool. So, we do an update then? Where are we? What, yeah, what, what why not? Uh, we're currently at, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Gladys. Gladys playing the snare drum. $175,938 American dollars. <laughs> Positive Sean's many, many cats. $25. $25 from Jack's son, Spaghetti and Goat Bloop. I, I don't know what that is. Spaghetti and Goat Bloop? Uh, huh. 
Jess in the Creek, often fueled by the grape, too, contributed $250. Appreciate that. Fabulous. Um, but yeah, $175,000. That's, that's, that's some serious coin right there. Hey, uh, A&G Show sponsors, would love to hear from you. We're looking at you, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to see you jump in and, and you know help out the cause. You know, it's funny. Uh, I happen to be this year and last year, actually, too, um, in the midst of bouncing back from surgery <clears throat> as we raise money for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. And um, and and obviously what I've had, which is a, a joint replacement, is it's it's dialed in. I have a great surgeon, uh, great care. I know what to expect. Um and, and it's it's still quite challenging, but it, it's fine. Um, and it it brings back, though, the first couple of meetings we had with the guys at, at Freedom Station um, who are recently returned from war and have had devastating injuries and multiple surgeries and not only face physical therapy and more surgeries and and trying to learn to live with artificial limbs or without sight or with part of their sight, that sort of thing, how incredibly difficult that is. And all of a sudden, they're not a Marine anymore. And they're not an athlete anymore, at least temporarily in some cases. Or their girlfriends aren't sure if this is the guy I want to be with anymore and how incredibly difficult that is for these kids. And... When you get to the reality of these young people coming back from war with these mind-boggling challenges, um, the more you see it, the more you know it, the more you meet them, the more you understand what they're dealing with, the more joyful it is to support Warrior Foundation Freedom Station because this is a four-star charity that meets those guys exactly where they are, and it keeps them from despair. And it keeps them from forgetting who they are. It sends them home for Christmas while they're doing all this painful rehab. Um, it's just, it's such a wonderful organization. Um, I wish everybody could go to Freedom Station and, and meet the people who are being helped. But if you can spare 20 bucks or $20,000, uh, please be a real patriot and do that. Again, it's a four-star charity. We would never recommend you give your money to somebody who squanders it. Okay? So give as much as you can. Armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, my, there, I wasn't even telling people how to do it. Um, speaking of my, my rehab and my bounce back, I'm very excited today. To, well, later today, I will be wearing pants for the first time in 10 days mm. uh, or 11 days, uh, as I've been wearing nothing but athleisure, which I will wear for the rest of my life if I can get away with it. Uh, and Judy and I, I'm actually going to leave the house. We're going to go get a little dinner tonight. Very excited about wow. that. Like as I am leaving now, your home. I have graduated from the walker now fully to the hand-carved Hungarian wolf cane. Uh, There he sits right next to me looking on faithfully. (laughs) Um, So my my mobility is improving, and I'm very excited about that. I will within, I think, now none of my doctors are going to yell at me. I think I will be uh, on the putting green a putting this weekend. So, very excited. Getting back to life. So, I came across this article yesterday uh, from a movie reviewer. We've all, uh, Sean, you and I have seen The Irishman. Go ahead and admit it. The uh, Irish- what, what am I over here? A, a non-Irishman over here? Not only am I an Irishman, I've seen the movie. That's what I said. Sean, and uh, then you being Joe, you, you and were, then I. I thought, you're the you. What? 
You're the Is that you. how English works? I don't know. I'm sorry. I am new to country. I meant to uh, say you, but I didn't apologies say Apologies are to you first, you, sir. But the uh, the headline from this reviewer is, this critic, is go ahead and admit it, the Irishman is terrible. There are two nah. kinds of people in this world. Those who think the Irishman is the greatest thing Martin Scorsese has ever done, the finest piece of cinema produced this century, or maybe of all time. And there are people like me who think the movie weighing in at nearly four hours is one of the most boring, ill-acted, poorly written, and amateurishly filmed movies they've ever seen. Well, that's a false choice, and the guy's an idiot. It was somewhere in between. Um, Didn't we all agree on that? Yeah, I I did think... I th- I thought I'm a De Niro fan. Have been my whole life. I think he watched too much Sopranos. I kept seeing Tony Soprano. You don't look like Robert De Niro used to. You look like you're doing a to- Tony Soprano impersonation. I thought Pesci came off a little weird. I just I didn't like it. I didn't really hmm. like it much. Hmm. Um, okay. And I'm a, I love. I I was so well. Remember when I talked about this movie for days when I first saw the trailer. Right. I went into it with the the bias of this is going to be so great and came out of it. Oh, How did come you on. you watched it on your phone, right? This is Sean's point, which is a good point. I watched it in chunks over many days, exactly <laughs> as exactly as Scorsese intended it on my iPhone on a 3-inch screen. <laughs> so that'd be Sean's argument. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I just thought it was so slow and I thought it was both overacted and underacted and just ah whatever. I get it. There was a mob once. Can you do something yeah. else? <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it was better than that, but it was it was not great. It was fine. Like I said, I doubt I'll watch it again. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, pop oh, yeah, culture, that, that, that is oh, go ahead. that is maybe the best way to figure out if I really liked something or not. If I'm flipping through the channels and Goodfellas is on, I I can't not stop. I could easily not stop on the Irishman if I'm flipping through the, through the channels. Yeah, yeah. The whole de-ageifying thing was okay, but not great. You got a 70-year-old De Niro as a 28-year-old recently returned vet. He's, he's almost just... 80 years old, De Niro. That, is that right? That's why he walks like that. The is... 40-year-old man barely walking down the street and then trying to kick somebody in the face, but he can't get his foot up. Trying to high. throw a gun in the river doesn't look like he can make no, it. Right? Like, yeah. He just hits the guardrail and it clatters <laughs> to the pavement. <laughs> So he's about 80, so he'll be running for uh, president on the Democrat side soon, huh? In, yeah, I think 2024 is when he's uh, he's pegging to jump in. Fantastic. You know, speaking of things that were good but not great, I read, uh, I'm almost, that's right, I did finish it. I, I just read the Elton John autobiography whilst I've been healing. I remember when rock was young. Oh, Lord. It's, it, he, everybody involved is embarrassed by that song. Um, <laughs> and it was, it, it was good. It was not great. It was it was fine. Did it have the part in there about Bob Dylan not understanding syllables in a, it, in a game it, of charades? That Bob Dylan was a terrible charades player. It did have that. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. Um, you know, if you're a big EJ fan, it was fine. Uh, you know, the honest truth is, he is not a guy I would like very much. Oh, that, that's interesting. He's he's an absolute musical genius, and he's acquired a lot of wisdom and self-knowledge it took him a very 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 long time to get there um just you know just from the constant temper tantrums to the excessive consumption to promiscuity to being a hardcore junkie and just abusive to everybody around him for a very very long time you just come away from it thinking well i'm glad you finally got your head right but man did you leave a lot of damage in your wake but he is he is refreshingly honest about it and and the stuff about substance abuse i think is absolutely terrific 
um, among other things. And and also, you know, the story of a, a gay artist um, having to keep that quiet, even as the whole world knew he was gay. That was pretty interesting because it's been during his lifetime and ours that we've made that huge transition. Me and Susie had so much fun. I mean, he's so God. He's yeah. Pick the worst song he's ever done. Good job. Um, and but he he mentions back in back in the day. Oh, for God's sake! I wish somebody'd unleash a crocodile on your hiney. Um, he mentions back in the day when Liberace couldn't let on that he was gay. Yeah, that that, that, that come on. That's weird looking back on it because I'm from that era and the part of the country where he just. I didn't know any of those people were gay, and uh, they were just weird. They just had weird personalities they on television. They were flamboyant, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's not Taylor, a great read. Liberace, Elton John, Richard Simmons. Is Richard Simmons gay? I believe uh, so, yes. Yeah, let's, come, let's be serious now. Anyway, so it's, it's good, but not great. I've I've read other uh, uh, you know rock star autobiographies that I thought were terrific because they did such a beautiful job of talking about the time they grew up in and the culture they were part of and and it it got into the the real relationships. The, the, the funny thing, the title of Elton John's autobiography is "Me," and it is incredibly him centered. It's you know there's not nearly enough about the people he made music with and how that music came to be. It's just me, 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 me. But anyway. There's my book review for you. What was, it's about as good as Crocodile Rock. Pleasant, but uh, dumb. What was the number one streamed song of the decade? We'll play that on the way back. And then a little Jonathan Turley, law professor from the impeachment hearings today. Pretty interesting stuff. Armstrong and Getty. Best place to find the lovers of the bar is where I go. Mm-hmm. Me and my friends at the table doing shots, tripping fast, and then we talk slow. Come over and start up a conversation with just me And trust me, I'll give it a chance Now take my hand, stop it, and the man on the jukebox And then we start to dance And now I'm singing like So, the reason we're playing Ed Sheeran is that's the most streamed song of the decade According to people who keep track of that sort of thing um, That's a better way to count popularity of music now to me Is streaming than any album sales or anything I haven't bought music in I don't know how many years Yep, the I world streamed, has changed. I stream tons of music. He actually has number one and five of the most streamed songs in the world. <laughs> uh, number one and five, which will make you fairly rich if you're that popular. Um, yeah, but you have to be that big to make any money off streaming. Well, right. That, uh, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a tour god. Um, right. Uh, so impeachment hearing thing going on today. They just brought in law professors, four of them, all four of them anti-Trump, which is speaks to some about the way this whole thing is running. And uh, three of them say absolutely an impeachable offense. One said, no, it's not Jonathan Turley, who's a lifelong Democrat and not a Trump supporter. And uh, it sounded something like this. We'll just play a little of it for you. It's an honor to appear before you today to discuss one of the most consequential functions you were given by the framers, and that is the impeachment of a president of the United States. 21 years ago, I sat before you, Chairman Nadler, and this committee to testify at the impeachment of President William Jefferson Clinton. I never thought that I would have to appear a second time to address the same question with regard to another sitting president. Yet here we are. The elements are strikingly similar. The intense rancor and rage of the public debate is the same. 
the atmosphere that the framers anticipated. The stifling intolerance of opposing views is the same. I'd like to start, therefore, perhaps incongruously, by stating an irrelevant fact. I'm not a supporter of President Trump. I voted against him. My personal views of President Trump are as irrelevant to my impeachment testimony as they should be to your impeachment vote. President Trump will not be our last president, and what we leave in the wake of this scandal will shape our democracy for generations to come. I'm concerned about lowering impeachment standards to fit a paucity of evidence and an abundance of anger. I believe this impeachment not only fails to satisfy the standard of past impeachments, but would create a dangerous precedent for future impeachments. My testimony lays out the history of impeachment from early English cases to colonial cases to the present day. The early impeachments were raw political exercises using fluid definitions of criminal and non-criminal acts. When the framers met in Philadelphia, they were quite familiar with impeachment and its abuses, including the Hastings case, which was discussed in the convention, a case that was still pending for trial in England. Unlike can the we, can English we break impeachment right there, just because I know Marshall's got some of it coming up in his news in just a little bit. I wouldn't have time for uh, Joe and I to comment on that. What he just said there about Trump is going to be gone someday and we're going to have to, you know, live with a structure and an attitude, you know, for presidents to come. I wish there were more people that could look at the world that way. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> Emotionalism doesn't lend itself well to like perspective to, to looking down the road. And keeping your perspective. And we're living in a world where emotionalism is not only really popular, but everybody's encouraging you to be as whipped up as possible. When that's a terrible way to run your affairs. Yeah, it's amazing. I know. Well, Marshall, what's coming up in your news? Well, we've got more highlights from Professor Turley coming up. And it looks like in the Democratic Party, all of a sudden, it is really the battle of the billionaires. Highlights from that coming up. Boy. That's the last. That's interesting. With uh, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren on the stage also. That is something. All that on the way. More from Jonathan Turley on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Okay, been some kind of interesting stuff in the impeachment hearing thingy today. Joe, did you get that text from the doctor I sent you? Oh. You should you should read that during uh he says it's urgent. So, oh, I okay. I don't have any idea. I'm not a doctor, but it's from a doctor who's been listening. Okay. Um, uh, duh. So, uh, law professors right. testifying today in Washington, D.C. in front of the House Judiciary Committee. Right. Three anti-impeachment, or sorry, three anti-Trump, four removal. One anti-Trump, all four anti-Trump. <laughs> that's that's worth noting. Four <laughs> professors, all anti-Trump, who heard the Democrats brought forward. But one of them thinks impeachment is not... not uh, a good idea in this case, and that would be Jonathan Turley. So Marshall Phillips got that in the news. Jonathan Turley at George Washington University, yes, indeed, standing up today, warning that lawmakers are jumping the gun in these proceedings and that anger is fueling the whole thing. I get it. You're mad. The president's mad. My Republican friends are mad. My Democratic friends are mad. My wife is mad. My kids are mad. Even my dog seems mad. 
And Loon is a golden doodle, and, and they don't get mad. Turley going on to warn in the committee that voting for impeachment now could set a precedent for future administrations. Now, there are three commonalities when you look at these past cases. All involved established crimes. This would be the first impeachment in history where there would be considerable debate, and in my view, not compelling evidence of the commission of a crime. Second is the abbreviated period of this investigation, which is problematic and puzzling. This is a facially incomplete and inadequate record in order to impeach a president. Turley, Turley going on to add, We have forgotten the common article of faith that binds each of us to each other in our Constitution. However, before we cut down the tree so carefully planted by the framers, I hope you will consider what you will do when the wind blows again. That was uh, the tail end of a, a long quote from Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan Swift, I think, that was quite eloquent and interesting, and I'd like to play that chunk again if we can. But the, the key word he used to me, because <clears throat> he's a, a fancy guy and educated, is inchoate, which is a fancy word essentially meaning half-baked. And what he was saying was, Everybody's talking about how historic this is and how important it is and how earth-shaking it is. And yet, y'all aren't even subpoenaing like key fact witnesses. You're just saying, never mind. So you're insisting this happened, but we're doing it in such a half-ass way. That, that How can you possibly square those two things? Well, you can't. They don't fit together. You can't say, this is, for the first time... In 200-plus years, we're going to remove a president through impeachment. We're gonna, it's the most extraordinary thing we've ever done. But we're kind of running out of time, and it wouldn't fit in with our calendar, so never mind. Right. We're not going to call those witnesses. We're not going to worry about it. I just Let's just, just get this over with. That is just absolutely, it, it, it bears, it, it renders naked the ridiculous political impulses that are guiding this thing. They simply want to check the box for the hardest core 30% of voters in America on the left that they that y'all have been saying we got to impeach since before the freaking president was inaugurated. Y'all have been screaming for it. We did it okay that's all that's going on here and no i didn't like the call i thought it was a half a dozen kinds of dumb but this is just it's so obvious what's going on well and we got a text a number of texts from people saying okay so we've had whatever it is 50 witnesses that say this is a crime and you air the one guy who doesn't think it is impeachable i think it's notable that a law professor who voted for Hillary Clinton and is a lifetime Democrat doesn't think it's an impeachable offense. I think that's notable. He's not the only one, by the way. Alan Dershowitz, Harvard Law, is the same way. Voted for Hillary Clinton, lifetime Democrat, doesn't think you would remove a president over this. I think that's notable. Well, but listen, even if you believed you absolutely would remove a president over this, and I can respect that point of view, um, even if you believe that, you would call the damned witnesses. Well, that's what I do. You go a, through the process. If I'm a Democrat and I want to damage Trump, I'm saying, no, subpoena Rudy, subpoena Bolton. We'll wait. It, what, I don't care if it takes till May. What the hell difference does it make? It takes as long as it takes. Right. We're gonna lose. We're gonna lose now. So what difference does it make if we lose then? But let, let's take a swing at these guys and see what they have to say. 
Meanwhile, the Democrats run for the White House is turning uh, into the battle of the billionaires. Billionaire Democrat Michael Bloomberg is putting tens of millions of more dollars behind a new TV ad campaign, casting himself as being uniquely qualified to defeat President Trump. The ads are set to begin running Wednesday in all 50 states, including the first four on the presidential primary calendar. They'll run for a couple of weeks. The new, former New York City mayor entered the presidential race less than two weeks ago. He launched his campaign with another TV ad uh, push, uh, the cost coming close to $40 million. His uh, staffers are not saying how much this new push is going to cost. Tomorrow is the cutoff for making the debate stage. So Steyer made it yesterday. Yes. He has qualified for that Democratic debate, which is going to be coming up December 19th, making him the sixth active candidate to do so. So oh. how's the, the chief of the soda police, Michael Bloomberg, doing? Is he um, is he on the stage for any no, of these at he, this point? He has, he has no way of making because he's not taking donations, so mm. he, he can't qualify. Yeah, the other... Well, he, there's no point in him being on stage unless it's to unmask what a joke he is, but that's kind of an odd system. If a guy says, no, I'm going to entirely self-finance. I don't want to owe anybody anything. Sorry, you can't be in the debate. Right. That right. seems a little nutty. Anyway, Steyer is uh, <laughs> going to be on stage with the other five who qualified so far. That would be Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth white, Warren. White, white, Elizabeth Warren. White. Mayor Pete. Another white guy. And Senator Amy Klobuchar. Another white guy. Those are... Those are the ones who have made the stage for the next debate. So is Cory Booker done? Uh, What's his did, status? He's, he's he's currently trying to qualify for this debate. Is, yeah, is his I wish him well. Status. Yeah. Nobody likes you, Cory. Go away. <laughs> his likability numbers are are not bad, as opposed to Kamala Harris's, where she was actually right. unliked. Right. Oh, man. I just uh, Terrific piece by Charles Cook on Kamala Harris getting out of the race. I want to hit you with just a couple of key phrases from that. It's terrific. Okay. All right. That's your news. I'm Marshall <laughs> Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. It is something, though, that the debate will feature all white people. After, you know, however many years now we're hearing about the evil of whiteness and checking your privilege. I remember when this all started out, everybody was saying, it's the most diverse group of candidates we've ever seen among the Democrats or any other party. Now we've got white guys and some white women. And and keep in mind that the people making the say are all Democrats. Right, which gets left out of the conversation somehow. Uh, uh, Right, exactly, about how racist America is. You know, listen, we could break down each of the candidates of color, if you want, and point out how they're just bad. The problem was not their color, it was their badness. Barack Obama, brilliant candidate, and he won. Black guy, I don't know if you heard. Right, he was a brilliant... He'd have been a brilliant candidate as a white guy also. Right, skilled um, and Cory Cory Booker and Kamala Harris had no support among the black community. Right, right. right. Old Joe right. Biden, old white Joe, with all the black support, which just shows how racist black people are toward black people. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Um, uh, so you're going to tell us that, and what else can we jam into the end of the show? We probably ought to do an update on Warrior Foundation Freedom oh, Station, da- certainly. Obviously. And, what and listen, the heck? if you listen to the show, you're just required to give. There you go. That's a, so Let's keep this simple. Maybe it's $5, maybe it's 5000 maybe it's 50000 Um, But you have to give. That, that's it. Or, or stop listening. I'm sorry, <laughs> this probably, it's a bad strategy. 
it's 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 bad for the charity. It's bad for the the show. But I, I I'm sorry. I just I, this is where we are. Marshall's garage door just contributed one dollar. <laughs> Why did you fire Vince's in for a dollar? Uh, no 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 no. Don't read the names of people who gave a dollar. Okay. F that. It's a twenty dollar cover charge. Also, Hank Vanderholst in with fifty dollars. Vanderholst? Now, is this just a real name, or is that an attempt to be masculine? Bodie McDonate face is in for, uh, for well, I'm sorry, that's under the limit. Yeah. It's only 10. Yeah, I, you can make it 10 if you want, but, okay. yeah, come on. Yeah, a dollar we'll just, just have... to get your funny, funny joke? Forget yeah, it. That, that is not good enough. You're absolutely right. Dollar, we got to have a cover charge for the funny jokes. I agree. 20. But anyway, we'll hit, we'll hit a total coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. started with one of the most diverse fields in our history, giving people pride. And it's a damn shame now that the only African-American woman in this race who uh, has been speaking to issues that need to be brought up um, is now no longer in it. And we're spiraling towards a debate stage that potentially we're still fighting to get on it, but could have uh, six people with no diversity whatsoever. Yeah, Cory Booker, I, I agree that it would be nicer to have a more diverse field on that stage in theory but what are you going to do about it kamala harris was a terrible candidate so what are you going to do about that you're a terrible candidate what are you going to do about that well stop blaming racism would be a positive step how do you fix that so so she should stay on there so you have a token black person on there even though they're terrible that's very weird i love this piece charles cook wrote for the national review about excuse me kamala getting out um, she's not that special. On the contrary, she's a would-be tyrant whose primary contribution to American life thus far has been to fight, quote, tooth and nail to uphold wrongful convictions that have been secured through official misconduct that included evidence tampering, false testimony, suppression of crucial information uh, by prosecutors, which has happened during her career as a... Uh, Attorney General. Uh, let's see. She showed us exactly who she is during the Kavanaugh hearings. She openly promised to act without Congress. At the Kavanaugh hearings, she implied she knew something terrible about the nominee for the sole purpose of sharing the insinuation on her Twitter feed. Harris is a woman who, if successful, would have overseen the mass confiscation of millions of firearms, the seizing of patents, the federalization of abortion law, and depending on the polling, eliminated the elimination of her word, the private health insurance plans of 180 million people. Everything that is wrong with American politics is summed up in Kamala Harris. She's a weather vane. She's dishonest. She's a coward. She's condescending and she's a phony. She's the answer to no useful or virtuous question. Nothing good has come from her election. She has nothing of value to offer America. Goodbye. Bad luck. That's all, folks. <laughs> she is slash was a coward. <laughs> Uh, she and would, a weather she, vane. She would back off when. I mean, one thing you can't call Bernie or several other candidates is cowardly. You're taking an unpopular position with a big chunk of the country and trying to persuade them with an argument. That's the opposite of being cowardly. But she would completely flip flop depending on who she was talking to. She always had the body language and the finger and the head shake of somebody who's really tough and brave, but just completely wispy in terms of her actual arguments. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. She looked terrific on paper. And and like you said, in certain she carried off certain moods. Well, the head shaking. Why? How dare you thing? She was good. But that she's one one song uh, performer. I'm looking at the people who have donated to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. We have Carlos Danger's new alias Enrique Shockwave. Twenty dollars. Oh, yes. I am going to yes. read this one, even though it's below the cover charge. Get back on in Phoenix. Contributed five dollars because we yeah. sh- we should be on in Phoenix. It's amazing that we're not on. Um, Arizona's our kind of state. Uh, not only you know, absolutely true. The drumbeat of people asking why are you guys not on in Boise is is never ending. We're working on it. Uh, but we need to get a total here. We're trying to get $500,000 this week for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. If you don't know what that is, listen to the podcast or listen tomorrow. You'll know. Oh, Prince Andrew's Sweat is in for $25. Oh, no. <laughs> That's disgusting. That's nice. Oh, somebody to- donated 50 bucks in the name of Out of the Sack with Joe and Jack. Oh, oh my God. Our name when we were doing soft rock morning radio for a couple of years. Yeah. Decades ago. Great Scott. Thanks for reminding us. High Spark of the Low-Voiced Bum is in for $50. Wow, well played, my friend. (laughs) Anyway, let's get ourselves a a, a total right here. $186,504. Yeah, that's pretty good. We're getting there. I'm I'm getting a little concerned that we're not going to hit our goal of uh, $500,000 by the end of the week, which is a huge goal. But just let me do 20 seconds. Warrior Foundation Freedom Station assists the seriously injured returning home with immediate medical and emotional needs. Those suffering suffering from PTS and traumatic brain injury, physical and occupational therapy patients who are receiving care at military medical facilities and transitioning warriors who are are starting civilian life, often with terrible burdens. They're there for them. Four star charity. Incredible organization. Please support them. So we've some of our guests who are involved with and have uh, you know benefited from uh, Freedom Station have used the term PTSD and some have said PTS. Do, do, I don't. What is what is what am I supposed to go with? There? I don't think there's an agreement on that. Um, I've heard people say don't use don't say disorder because it's a perfectly reasonable response to an unreasonable experience. I don't know if I buy that sort of language though for various it, things. That's like not know, calling I, sexually transmitted diseases diseases. Yeah, I, I, I get that. On the other hand, I've heard other people answer that, well, listen, it is a, uh, a, a an emotional challenge that is upsetting their lives and making it difficult to live and driving people to, to suicide in some cases. It is 100% a disorder. Yeah. It's exactly I'll, what it is. I'll call so, it whatever makes people feel the best, I guess, but I don't feel any worse or better about somebody if it's no. got a D at the end of it. No, people worry way to hell too much about yeah. that sort oh, of yeah. thing. Absolutely. Yeah, if, if you're tired of that sort of rhetorical you know tap dancing donate a hundred dollars in in uh, the name of rhetorical clarity just calling <laughs> things what they are and moving on with our oh, lives oh my god a 25 dollar donation from hitler's left nut oh my <laughs> that's surprising <laughs> i don't know if that's uh, what we needed there uh frankenstein and his bride for 250 dollars Thank you very much. That's a big donation right there. I'm still looking for that five-figure donation from a whale. Somebody got millions and millions of dollars in the bank. Come on now. We've now entered Final Thoughts with your host, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Joe Getty. 
Thank you, Father. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Wouldn't that be jolly? How about our esteemed newsman, Marshall Phillips? Oh, I got to tell you, along with the uh, money we're trying to raise, uh, you know, that really gives me a good feeling every year when we do this because at the end of the week, we and all of the listeners come away feeling like, you know, we really did something. We made a difference. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Yeah, it, It's a feeling of community, which I think we're Indeed. all uh, longing for these days. Michelangelo is pressing the buttons in the control room, Michael. Okay, I'm still waiting for a donation name mentioning a Merkin or the drug Jenkum. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get $25, $50. The kids don't need Christmas presents. They're spoiled already. You know it. <laughs> you know it. Wow, fabulous. Uh, producer Positive Sean with a final thought. Yes, while I, I share in the uh, the longing for community, I also share in Joe's concern about maybe we were slowing down too much. Do I need to do another video game until uh, we... Yeah. I, I will talk about video games for the entire show tomorrow unless you guys donate. I think tomorrow we should do that. Yeah. Our first mini goal with Sean talking about video games until we reach our goal. Wow, the first putting away, away of the carrot in producing the stick. That's right, uh, I'm swinging it! I like it. Jack, do you have a final thought to share? Corn Pop's Reformation campaign's in for $25. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, Yeah, I'll be interested to see how cable news deals with Jonathan Turley's statement today. My guess is it just doesn't get much play on two of the cable news channels. My final thought is Warrior Foundation Freedom Station does incredible work with these kids when they come home from war and they need the help of their their fellow countrymen, their patriots, people like you and me. This is how we serve our country. If you say you support the troops, if you understand what sacrifices the, the service people and their families make, just give what you can and then give just a little bit more at armstrongandgetty.com. Want to be a whale donated $100? Well, we'd all like to be a whale, wouldn't we? But appreciate your 100 bucks. That's pretty awesome. Um, Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com, not only to uh, to, jo- to donate, but you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Something we ought to be talking about, send it along. Rodney fights a whale in with 1000 bucks. Thank you. We will see you tomorrow. Donate at armstrongandgetty.com, and God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing And what we leave in the wake of this scandal will shape our democracy for generations to come. Armstrong and Getty.